Hello, everyone. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by my Patreon. I have a Patreon community. I'm very excited to share it with you all. In my Patreon community, I have workshops around conscious leadership, anti-racism work, intentional well-being, intentional, joyful, mindful movement. I have a wonderful journal to keep you on track for your own personal well-being. We do conversations. There's a book club and a reading list and merch. We have the cutest merch over on Patreon. So I'm going to thank myself for sponsoring this podcast. You can check me out at www.patreon.com forward slash Diane Bondi. I hope to see you there. everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. Shout out to my friend Jessica, who is an avid listener. Thank you for being here, everyone. And today, uh, as you know, we talk about intentional well-being on the podcast. And I'm very excited to introduce to you colleague, friend, my natural path, Dr. Caitlin Martinello. And she is a natural path she helps me. She specializes in women's health and women's well-being. And I don't really know how we came to be in each other's energy. I think I was seeing a practitioner where you were practicing and I'd always kind of see you walking by. And I I, I felt like just drawn to you as a practitioner that, that we had like a lot in common. And then I maybe stalked you a little bit online and when I noticed (laughs) that your answer to the question of why did you become a naturopath is that you always were a fan of Dr. Quinn medicine woman. And that's a Jane Seymour project from like, I think the nineties, late eighties, early nineties. I don't know. Um, But my mother watched that and we watched it like intently, like the power of women in medicine in that, particular time period. And it made me um, really interested in what you do. So tell me about like your first inkling or your first feelings around that. What did that bring up for you? Yeah. Well, well, my earliest memory of really wanting to be a doctor came from watching Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. That's like my earliest memory of looking at a female in a healthcare role and being like, I want to do that. And then also within the show, for those who don't know, um, she was a female doctor at the time in a predominantly male dominant field of medicine. Mm -hmm. And she was practicing in this rural town and she was just a rock star at what she did, but she also fostered relationships with the uh, community, the indigenous community around that area, wherever it was. (laughs) And she used their medicine as well. And that was really my first exposure to using food and herbs as a source of medicine. Because conventionally, and this is going back when I was a child, you went to the doctor, you told them what was Mm -hmm. wrong, and you got a prescription. Totally, still happens. So that was what I was (laughs) indoctrinated. Yeah, that was what I was indoctrinated to Mm -hmm. know about that doctor-patient relationship and medicine um, at that time. So it kind of just like 
was a ripple effect from there. And then fast forward to when I was a teenager, I had a family member who was going through a health crisis at the time and they were seeing a naturopath Mm -hmm. and they knew I was interested in medicine. And I didn't really know what type of physician I wanted to be, whether it was an MD or a chiropractor or a physiotherapist. I just knew I wanted to be in the healthcare field and I wanted to help people. So she thought it was a good idea for me to come with her to a visit huh. with her to see their naturopath. And I, it's that light bulb moment mm. that happens where you're sitting there. I was quiet. I was observing and just observing their interaction. And I just remember the feeling and the thought in my mind of this is the doctor that I want to be. This is how I want to help people. And it was so profound to me that it was just kind of a very – natural transition of finishing my undergraduate, applying to one of two schools in Canada, Mm -hmm. completing that degree program, and then, which was in Toronto, and then bringing, it was always the intention of coming back to my hometown Mm -hmm. to bring my wealth of knowledge back here. So it was very early on that I had inklings of wanting to be a doctor. And then it kind of just these, you know, experiences throughout my life that brought me to that point. I love these uh, origin stories. I'm a big, for those of you who don't know, I'm a big like comic book fan, like the Marvel universe. And I love to hear people's origin stories, like what sparks their love of whatever it is they're doing. And this idea that we can use the world around us and what the earth provides us and our own um, intuition about our bodies to help heal ourselves. And I think for those people who are not familiar with naturopathic medicine and conventional medicine, these two things can work in tandem. They don't have to be, it's not like an all or nothing thing where you're like, you know, completely against one or the other, but these things work together. And that's how it, it worked for me. I came to you at a point where I was um, pretty early diagnosis with my thyroid. And I wanted to know beyond what, conventional medicine could do for my thyroid, what other um, healing modalities were out there to help me manage conditions like that? Yeah. And I think you were ahead of your time in that, in the sense that um, I'm seeing it more now, Mm. especially with what has happened in the last almost three years of people really reflecting inward. But especially, I think, in the area where we both live, um, there's not too many naturopaths. No. So I think for people even to be familiar with the term, this is going back maybe 10 years ago, was they might have been familiar with the term, but they had no idea what a naturopathic doctor mm-hmm. did. And, the, you know, I agree with you 100%. Medicine and, and, and health, it really comes down to the patient. Mm-hmm and what their goals are, and then trying to best suit or, or guide their treatment plan along with what they, what we think as the provider, but also their, at least for me, I'll speak for mm-hmm. myself, engaging that patient into their own, you know, treatment plan and level of care, I think is really important too. So there is definitely a way to amalgamate mm-hmm. the two. And I always tell patients, it's not about choosing one right. or the other, yes. you know? Um, the main, I guess, differences that I see, because I always get asked about, you know, conventional medicine and what I do 
is um, conventional medicine is extremely good at reactive emergency care. Yes. And, you know, if you're having a, a stroke or a heart attack or, or a, a severe uh, episode of ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, our medical system is very good at dealing with those mm-hmm. issues. And it's very fast paced. But what we see in the world now is that chronic health conditions mm-hmm. are be slowly or over time have become the number one causes of mortality in, in North America and in the world. So my job as a naturopath and what I think I the void that I fill is really about the preventative side and, and catching things early enough to really respond and hopefully prevent the state of disease. So prevention is really an integrated part of my mm-hmm. practice. Whereas conventionally, it's not to say that, you know, medical doctors are not doing preventative care. They are, but it's just a time constraint that they yes. have. They can't sit down with their patients mm-hmm. and really get into the idea of the importance of nutrition and how to incorporate nutritional guidelines mm-hmm. or standards that would be helpful for them. They just don't have the time. And I understand that. So I work with patients who are either on prescription mm-hmm. medications, have conditions that they've been diagnosed with, and they're just looking for, again, that broader view of what can I do to support my well-being with X, Y, and Z going on. Because ultimately, everybody wants to be the live the best life that they can. We have one life. And I think we're slowly, uh, you know, opening up or raising the veil of like, we have yes. options. And we have things that we can turn mm-hmm. to if we're not feeling heard or, or misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes people are just pushed aside sometimes because they don't fit that perfect box a hundred percent what could be classified as uh, a medical condition and that was I think one of the number one reasons that I came to you actually is I didn't have the best experience with my endocrinologist and I was actually just fearful of Everything I had heard from everybody else, for those of you who don't know, I have a condition called Graves' disease, which is a hyperactive thyroid. I was diagnosed in 2016, and it was that moment that I decided I need to take better care of myself, right? Like my mother had it, so I'm sure there was like a genetic component, and she was able to heal herself. Um, at the time she had it, she was living in Barbados, and I think their healthcare system there is very good. And she had access to doctors who did what you are doing, like saying, okay, let's take a look at some of the things that we could perhaps change in your eating plan that might um, give you some relief, give you better energy. And when I told my endocrinologist, and this is what led, led me to the natural path, led me to you, I said to my endocrinologist, my mother had this disease when she was in her late 60s, early 70s, and all of a sudden it went away and she's no longer on these medications. And he said, does your, does your mother live here? And I said, oh no, at the time my mother lived in Barbados. And you know what he said? He said, yeah, well, of course, all that clean air, clean water and nutritional food is what helped her get over it. That's what my endocrinologist said, who's been practiced ending yeah. as far as I can tell, because I, you know, I always look up everybody that I'm going to go see <laughs> the healthcare practitioner. Um, 
because I like research, I guess, or uh, who knows. But he's been practicing endocrinology (laughs) since 1986. So it's not like he hasn't seen a lot in his, in his lifetime. And so when he said that, I'm like, that's an interesting response to give me, which is what led me to you. I'm thinking I have access to, you know, good food and clean air and, you know, all the things like I can, I can access those things and they're all around me. What other things could I be doing besides seeing in my endocrinologist who was really intent on taking out my thyroid? Like, you know, gave me a course of treatment when it didn't work in six months or whatever they deemed was the appropriate amount of time. He's like, okay, so you have two options. We can take it out surgically, or I can hit you with radiation. You won't be able to cross the border because you will set off the border. So, you know, and at the time I was traveling a lot for work and I said to him, well, I travel like a ton for work. It was before the pandemic. I, Like, how do I manage this? Is there a note you can give me? Like, I really didn't want to roll up to the border and set off the alarm. And he said to me, so flip, well, just work in Toronto. (laughs) I'm sorry. As if that's an option. Like that was just an option. Oh yeah. yeah. You know what? You can just work here. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to talk to somebody else who can give me some, some better ideas. And I wasn't, you know, if my thyroid had cancer or something like that, of course. Right. But I had done enough research and enough reading that I thought, okay, there's gotta be other stuff out there that can help me. And I ended up coming to see you. I ended up going to see a different endocrinologist who works out of women's college hospital, because I also felt as a woman, he wasn't taking my concerns seriously. And I felt like kind of dismissed, especially when he said to me, oh, just work in Toronto. Do you know what I do? Like, how can you just make these flip kind of statements? And so what I liked about you is I felt heard. I felt heard. And I see a lot of, I see a lot of women in my practice who feel confused by their body. Um, They feel that they don't have control over what they're experiencing, whether it's a new diagnosis or symptoms. And I deal with a lot of women's health concerns, you know, ranging from, uh, you know, fertility, perimenopause, menopause, um, PCOS. Uh, And it's hard to just say uh, to somebody, you know, as a doctor, like, well, just change (laughs) careers because – Okay. Or just change, move locations, you know, you'll get back. Because again, like, I think part of what is our superpower as women is that we have these hormones that do fluctuate, Mm -hmm. whereas men don't have that. And it's part of our superpower. And it's hard to sometimes identify or feel heard by a different, a different gender. And my goal is to take those um, confused and, um, women who feel like they don't have control over their bodies to confident and clear. They understand what's going mm-hmm. on with their body and we're using natural uh, modalities, whether it's herbal medicine or acupuncture or intravenous vitamin infusion therapy, diet, supplements, whatever their treatment plan um, is best suited mm-hmm. for them to bring that that confidence back, um, to bring their state of well-being to what the level that they feel will be a fulfilling life for them. Cause ultimately we all just want to live happy, joyous lives. At least 
I do. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's my ultimate goal in life is just to have that sense of happiness and joy and feel balanced with my, you know, mind, body, and spirit. Absolutely. Which brings me to something that happened to me today. I went to the bank to pay some bills today and the person in front of me who is at the, at the customer service rep, um, as they left the wicket, the customer service rep said, thank you very much. Um, have a nice day. And this person turned around and mm -hmm. said to them, what does that mean? How do you go about having a nice day? Yeah. And I was just like, what is happening here? Right. And I just <laughs> turned around and said to the person, what makes you happy? Like, you know, I went and got Starbucks because yeah. that will give me joy. Mm -hmm. um, this is my treat of the week. I have a Starbucks once a week because it gets pricey. Um, going for a walk out in nature. Um, I just started rambling off. Like nobody asked me, nobody, he wasn't talking yes. to me or they weren't talking to me, but I just kind of felt like having a nice day is a state of mind, right? Like that's part of our intentional mm -hmm. well-being. If I run around the world looking for reasons to be angry all the time, I'm angry some of the time. But if I look around at the world and look for reasons to be angry all the time, I can find them. So I also, right? Yeah. I also have to find reasons to be yeah. happy. And I love that you are listening. Yeah. So when I say intentional yeah. well-being to you, what does that mean? Yeah. For me, when I think of intentional well-being, it's about consciously choosing actions that support or best support mm -hmm. our health and balance, keyword balance, in our mind, body, and spirit. Oftentimes, people can be very good at certain aspects of their well-being. And well-being as a whole is a collection of so many different things. So we have our physical well-being, our emotional, our spiritual, but we also have our financial mm -hmm. well-being, our occupational well-being, um, our environmental well-being, and what I've done over the years is with my online forms that I have patients fill out, even before I mm -hmm. see them, I have this wheel of balance, oh. I call it, with all these areas of well-being. And I have patients rate, it's a subjective rating scale on a zero to 10, of the fulfillment they feel in each aspect of their well-being. And we have that conversation in their first visit about what areas of their well-being maybe need a little bit of TLC. Mm. And then we talk about the conscious actions to implement that intentional way of living. So it's all really about, like you said, identifying what makes you happy, what your core beliefs are, what your values mm -hmm. are, and then really structuring your life around those core beliefs that bring you joy and happiness and strengthen your health. I love that. I talk to people a lot about what are your values outside of mm -hmm. what's going on in the world? Like when you sit down, what are yes. the things that are the most important to you? And I think have, exactly. right? Like I think having a chronic illness yes. made me appreciate those things so much more. I think, um, I took into consideration for whatever reasons when you were young that you're going to live forever and your body's going to last forever and you never have to worry about anything. And then something happens and it brings you back to your humanity and to your mortality. And then you start to think about what it is, is it that is really important to me? 
And what are some of the things that I can kind of leave to the side? And I think that was amplified by COVID. Have you noticed that in your practice and in yourself? I do. I think COVID, the biggest thing that I have seen in my practice is that it had amplified areas of deficiency Mm. or lackluster um, motivation in people's lives. Um, It also promoted a lot of fear, which then caused people to have more of a reflection on self. And I think it also gave them time to do that. A lot of people weren't working because they were off work because things were shut down, at least in the Mm -hmm. beginning. So it really created this um, lipo effect moment in patients where they were understanding that there were aspects of their health and their well-being that they didn't have fulfillment Mm. in. And then it also allowed them to, with the opportunities that they have and the resources around them, to understand that they can improve that. It doesn't have to be stagnant. Whereas maybe before COVID, they were willing to kind of just go with the flow and accept things Mm -hmm. as they are because they were just Mm -hmm. busy. They didn't have the time to like have that introspective reflection. Whereas with COVID, um, the fear, I think, of mortality was very real for a lot of individuals Mm -hmm. with themselves and their loved ones. Mm -hmm. And um, fear is, it is a motivator mm-hmm. uh, to move the needle, but I also think it allowed people to, you know, not just keep going on the way things were. That was the biggest thing I saw. And um, from the moment that our office reopened, it's just been this change in attitude about health too, that it's about living the best life that people want and and um, pushing towards a way of health and well-being that they want versus um, just, you know, accepting things as they come, which was, I think, a, a very important way of, you know, being preventative when it comes to I health. love that shift in people's perspective. I'm sad it took a pandemic for mm-hmm. us to kind of figure out what was important, yeah. where the shortfalls were, how people... Um, yeah perceive their life. I kind of feel, I say this a lot in my yoga classes or if I'm doing any workshops, how many of us feel like we're driving a car with the engine light on and we're just like, it's okay. We'll just keep going. It's okay. We'll just keep going. Or maybe one of the back tires is a little bit low and you're like, I don't have time to deal with that. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And that hasn't served anyone. No, it hasn't. It really hasn't. And that's where I think too, when you really think about intentional well-being it's really about being consciously aware Mm. of things Mm. that support your health in all aspects of health it's the awareness piece and then you take that awareness and you put it into action and it doesn't have to be big actions it can be small things like you said mentioned like you mentioned about going to starbucks and getting your favorite drink the act of going there And getting that drink and drinking it and smelling it, it's going to stimulate a physical change, but also an emotional change for you. Mm -hmm. Practicing intentional living is really about combating the noise and the stressors in our life to better be able to like deal with things that come up as they come up. Um, 
and it's it is it's a action based uh, practice in our life. So it's about taking the blinders off and being aware. Uh, I think absolutely, and that, that's yeah. big. And I I want people to get there before they're forced to get there. And I kind of feel like I yeah. was forced to get there in that when I got my diagnosis, I was like, I can look at this two ways. I can be really angry at my body, which is, has been, you know, what's wrong with me and how is this happening to me? And why is this happening to me? And, you know, I'm very upset because we are taught as a society, especially women, that there's always something wrong with us. There's also something wrong with our bodies. Like we never can just be, there's a lot of us that are, you know, we're constantly, constantly working on ourselves, working on ourselves. And I thought this was a really great opportunity for me to be compassionate and empathetic toward my body, understanding Mm -hmm. that instead of being angry that I got sick, um, what does my body need from me right now in this moment? And if I had learned somebody close to me had gotten sick, would my reaction or, you know, developed a chronic illness, would my reaction to that person be anger? And why is that reaction to myself Mm -hmm. so much different to when I'm looking out for someone else? Yeah, I agree. I think too, when we, when we think about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so we have like the basic needs of like shelter and food and clothing. And then we, we travel up that hierarchy into um, the psychosocial needs in terms of connection and interaction with others. Mm. And at the very top, it's all about self-fulfillment, but we can't get to that best version of ourself without kind of establishing connection with others Mm -hmm. and connection with self, like really understanding self. And I think that's also something that I've seen with COVID as well Mm -hmm. is that people have gotten to really, again, I go back to this word reflection Mm -hmm. about what makes them the way that Mm -hmm. they are, whether it's circumstances in their job, their busy home life, um, uh, their childhood, whatever it is. Um, I think we, we have the ability to look through, um, a lens of kindness to others quite well. Like we can do that very easily, but when you say about when you turn it Mm -hmm. inwards and being kind on Mm -hmm. yourself, I think that's also something that has shifted for a lot of people because they're like so many things have been out of our control over the last two years that you just have to take a moment, talk to yourself as if you were talking to your best friend, be kind to yourself. Absolutely, I think that messaging, at least I'm hoping that messaging continues. Um, But yeah, you're right in, in, you know, you're with your, it sometimes does take a, you know, an experience, a diagnosis to kind of shift us, shift us into that mindset. Mm -hmm. But I think your goal and my goals are aligned. And this is probably why we've crossed paths over, I think it's been at least, yeah, uh, maybe more um, of, of really just trying to promote that um, experience with others of, you know, looking at our options and how to better ourselves because we find fulfillment when we better ourselves, we can work 
to help others, better others. I Absolutely. Think. Yeah. Because yeah. community care, I think, is important and collective. Um, my yoga teachings and my yoga practice is always about connecting with yourself. And as a person who works from home and spends a lot of time here in this space, um, I don't have a ton of interaction outside the internet with folks. So I recently went back to teaching publicly at the gym and, and just because it's amazing to help people see themselves as worthwhile. It's amazing to help people manage their stress. It's amazing to sit and listen to people. The interactions that I have with people where I teach has been influential in helping me with my own self-reflection. When I hear somebody say something that I might have said to myself 10 years ago, five years ago, yesterday, I can maybe say to them or unpack something for them like, okay, you're struggling in this particular pose. Instead of being angry or disappointed or frustrated, what if we surrender and say, okay, this isn't actually happening for me today. What other things can I do Mm -hmm. that fulfill me in this moment? Like this idea in the world that we live in, which I think is really fueled by capitalism, that it's all or nothing. Go hard, go fast, do everything, check everything off a list, you know, be all things to all people is a surefire way to burn out. How do we, you know, how do we start to look at things like one moment at a time, one breath at a time? You know, I'm very good at creating to-do lists. I have them all over the place. I have sticky notes everywhere, but I do as much as I can do and then I move on. Because things will just have to wait yeah. for another day. Because at the end of the day, if it, unless you're a rocket scientist or a heart surgeon, like <laughs> at the end of the day, if it, or, you know, in medicine, I should say, at the end of the day, if it doesn't get done right now, what? Is that the end of yeah. the world? Yeah. You know, like I know. what? Like, yeah. I think perfectionism, mm. there's no role for per- perfectionism. Mm-hmm when you are trying to live like an intentional life, there's just no role for it. It's, it's, you cannot be no such thing in every aspect. There's no such thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do agree. Like a lot of myself included, like thinking of myself going through naturopathic medical school and like, you know, just school Mm -hmm. in general, I think there's a lot of pressure on students to, you know, get that Mm -hmm. mark, get that grade. But then it's like, well, what if I don't really like right? this class? Why am I putting so much energy into a curriculum or part of a curriculum? That doesn't speak to you. That it's necessary to, yeah, that doesn't mm-hmm. speak to you. And it's not, the grade is just a stepping stone to the next Absolutely. thing. Just get through Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, and I think we, that, that analogy that you said before about driving in a car with the engine light on or driving in a car, you know, without any destination and you're just cruising but there's a cliff coming up here. <laughs> yes like yeah you know you you kind of have to wonder like um why why is our society you know built mm-hmm. that way but if we recognize that we don't fit into that way of of um mm-hmm. living we have the ability to change it we can control what we can mm-hmm. control and we can do actions in our daily life, simple actions that can steer us away from that 
um, feeling when we're ultimately just not enough in all aspects of everything. And often advertising and things in the outside world will feed into that insecurity. And I always think to myself, Mm -hmm. it's important not to buy in. What can I do in this moment? What works for me and my mindset, um, it's kind of part of my culture. My mindset is, of course, take care of myself, but how can that self-care also apply to the greater good, right? How is educating myself on maybe what's going on in the world or sharing a story that might help somebody or listening? Like I'm all about what you're about, which is community care, right? And reducing Mm -hmm. harm in the community, and changing the mindset around, we have to be all things to all people all the time. Um, and as someone who teaches yoga, there's this perception that I'm nice all the time, or this perception that I'm always happy, or this perception that I don't, you know, lose my cool. Because I once had um, a border guard say to me, you know, you yoga teachers come in here and, um, you know, you're always calm and you can do this breathing and not get ruffled. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, there's a pile of sweat running down my back and I'm not even doing anything wrong. Like (laughs) this is a facade that you see that, you know, I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah, mm -hmm." But we all have it going on. But the thing is, how do I manage my breath? What are the steps that I can take to take care of myself? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to step away from? Like who's not feeding my soul? Who are, what are, you know, sometimes it's your family and your family is your family, but how can I limit the amount of harm that's happening in that situation that is going to create an adverse, you know, health outcome for me later? Because we know that stress does that. We know that lack of sleep does that. We know that lack of movement does that. Like, how can I start to set up ways, like small intentional ways throughout the day to take care of myself. So I'm going to ask you this question. What are like three, and it doesn't have to be three. It can be one, it can be five, whatever. Three like intentional well-being strategies that you could offer. Like what are some of the things that you do or that you could offer our listeners that again, things don't have to cost money. These are things that you can just do in your everyday life that can help you, right? Yeah. Well, for anybody who's interested in living an authentic intentional life or or really working on promoting aspects of intentional well-being. Um, I'll share three tips and then I'll give examples for the tips. So um, the first tip is eliminate distractions. Mm -hmm. So that do not serve uh, purpose in Mm -hmm. your life, that do not, you know, bring you happiness or joy. So when I say remove distractions, the biggest distraction that we all face is... I know. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Number one on my list. And when I say phones, (laughs) when I say phones, I'm talking not only about just the phone itself, but I'm talking about specifically Mm. social media. Mm -hmm. If you are following Mm -hmm. or scrolling through and things with whatever algorithm is being used on whatever platform you're on... And it's showing you things that promote anxiety, promote that feeling of stress in your body when you're visually looking Mm -hmm. at them. It's not serving purpose in your life. Get rid of the distractions in the sense of unfollow Mm -hmm. those people. You don't have to Mm -hmm. follow them. You you can choose Mm -hmm. to leave. You can choose to limit your time on those social media platforms. For me, I'm a very private person. I don't 
post a lot on my on social media because promoting myself creates anxiety for me. So I just choose mm-hmm. to share what I want to mm-hmm. share or just be a spectator on the channels or the or um, with individuals that I like. So you can remove the distractions in your life that not are serving. not serving you purpose. Yeah. yeah. That's my number one yeah. tip. The second thing is to identify either writing it down or asking yourself what is the most, like you said before, what is the most important things in my life? What are my core beliefs? What are my values? If you have a clear picture of what those are, Mm -hmm. you can start to recognize where aspects of your life are not aligning with that. And that's where it can sometimes be challenging and hard to make the decisions to, for example, if there's a relationship with a friend where you feel that you're not being heard Mm -hmm. or it's very uh, negative or you feel like it's very draining Mm -hmm. and it's not matching with your core belief of being a compassionate, um, having a compassionate two-way relationship with someone, then the hard part about that is really reflecting on do I, you know, cut this person loose? Do I do I step away from that relationship? Mm-hmm. These are hard questions to ask, but when you're clear about what your core beliefs are and what your values are, you can start to moving into my third aspect of really incorporating uh, action mm-hmm. to work on, you know, creating more wellness and, and joy and happiness in your life. So simple things that I do every day when I wake up, are I I love the Calm app. This is not sponsored for Calm app, but I use it daily. Oh, nice. And they have different meditations. meditations. Yeah. They have different they have different um, kind of uh, voiceovers, um, tutorial, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but one minute, five minute, ten minute of things that set my intention for the day. Beautiful. So whether it's just a body scan that I do where I'm checking in with my body or setting my intention for the day. If I know that I'm working and seeing patients today, my intention is to be open and loving to Mm. all my patients, for example. So setting an intention for the day doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to be aligned that Mm -hmm. day, but you're making it clear to yourself and a commitment to yourself that I'm going to do actions that are going to support that part of what I want to work on today. So even if you're not perfect with it or at the end of the day reassess, Mm -hmm. you, you can kind of, you know, do a a, a total of, you know, did I actually do what I was intending to do? Yeah. So we, we talked about tuning out the noise. We talked about, um, you know, trying to identify your values would be like the second tip that I would recommend. So it's just a quick activity of, you know, writing down um, what's most important to you in life, what's most important to you for the day, what's most important to you, um, you know, in the next five years. Whatever the uh, values or core beliefs that you have in the moment can really set the action plan in motion for setting your intention for the day. And for me, I think setting morning intentions is really what I like to do. Um, It gets me in that good frame of mind of, you know, Mm -hmm. what I can control in my day to kind of work towards that intention. 
um, some other things that people can do to really kind of promote that intentional living. It may seem a little bit outdated, but there is something about creating a visual cue of what you want to manifest in your life. So people call them vision boards. People can use Mm -hmm. Pinterest, whatever it is. But when you look at something, you're stimulating your obviously your sensory nervous system. When you uh, read something, when you hear something, when you smell something. So engaging your senses is really important Mm -hmm. part of eliciting that chemical response to bring you happiness. But it has to obviously be happy things and and memories and and aspirations. It can't be things that are going to create negative emotions in your body. So those are like kind of the tips that I like to um, kind of recommend to patients. It's really just about, again, block out the distractions that are preventing you from living your authentic life that you want to live. Identify what's Mm -hmm. most important to you. And then create the actions throughout the day, the small actions, getting that coffee, reading that book you've been wanting to read uh, in terms of 10 pages of it. Um, I like to do in the morning. One page of it. Yeah. Whatever feels right to you. Um, Yeah. I always like to pet my dogs in the morning too. Mm, Um, It's just, you know, I I like to engage, you know, I sit with them and we just, you know, have like a chill session and their animals have that way of grounding you. Yes. You know, so that's my grounding exercise too. Um, And then just creating that. that if there are areas of your health and well-being that you want to work towards, even if they're not mm-hmm. something that you feel are attainable in the moment, write them down, mm-hmm. put them on a creative, you know, vision board, create a Pinterest page, um, draw it out, like whatever it is. Some, I think something visual that you can kind of see every day is important too. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I used to, when I was working through my body image issues, which continues all the time, it's always a work in progress, is I would put up little sticky notes Mm -hmm. around my house on the mirrors, reminding myself that I'm looking for things that I like and love about myself. And I'm not focusing on the things that I don't, because then that becomes all consuming, right? Like where can we look for things that make us feel good when we're not feeling the best or we're feeling a little run down or we're feeling a little tired. And I love the idea of stepping away from your phone. That is my Sunday (laughs) afternoon thing. I usually turn off my phone around noon and I don't revisit it unless I'm listening to like a podcast. But um, I do find joy in social media. I do like that aspect of interacting with people, mostly because I work alone and that's kind of my interaction. But I also know that there are people on social media that I don't follow. And I certainly don't engage people who want to question my lived experience, or I check them out and they've got like four followers and an avatar and a private page, because I know (laughs) that their intentions is just to create chaos and fear and to reinforce things that don't align. So why am I going to argue with folks like that? And when people want to engage me in an argument, I also ask myself, whether it's on social media or anywhere else, what will I gain from this? Like, I'm not really going to change their mind. And I don't think they're really going to change mine because maybe our values don't align. Mm -hmm. So is this the best use of my energy? 
would my energy be better served by taking a nap? Oh, yes. Or, right? Yeah. Or or making a meal. And you had mentioned earlier that you like to put your hands in the dirt. Yeah. Is that something that can be gardening? Is that something I can take some time with? Or I like to talk to my plants. I have an Amazon <laughs> lily that is massive. Um, I've had that lily for since 1991. Oh, wow. And... I know it was like two leaves yeah. and now it's, it's massive. It's probably about four feet tall. It just <laughs> finished blooming. Oh, it never bloomed for my mother. It blooms three times a year for me, but I talk to it yeah. and I roll out my yoga mat next to it and I practice, but I, I'm a plant mom. Yeah. I practice with the plant and I watch it flourish when I pay careful and intentional attention to the plant. Yes. Anything flourishes when we're intentional about spending time and connecting and making sure that those things connect with our core values. Yeah. Can we have relationships with folks that have different opinions and different thoughts than us? Sure. Yes. Um, if those relationships make us anxious or tired, then I don't think they're something that you want to engage in. And I always tell folks, make sure you have friends that don't need anything from you, right? Like if you have friends that always need your care, that's fine. But you also need to have friends that are just friends to hang out with, exactly. right? You yeah. go roller skating with them or whatever it is you like to do where it's just easy and breezy because yes. things get heavy when everybody needs something from you and you don't have time to take care of yourself. Right. That's also can be a way of identifying distractions because if you're mm. so focused on fixing another individual's problem, when in mm -hmm. reality, what oftentimes is when when people are going through a, uh, a struggle and they're relying on somebody else or unloading all their drama or whatever it is, they're really just mm -hmm. wanting to be heard because they don't feel mm -hmm. heard in other aspects of their life. But it's not your job to fix that person, mm. you know? So Agreed. sometimes it can be a distraction. And a lot of us are very empathetic beings. We're social beings. Connection is very important. But sometimes that, um, you know, disconnection or, or um, abuse of communication, I'll call it, when it's very one way, mm -hmm. can mm -hmm. be a way of, of, you know, steering you around, not really addressing what makes you happy and bring you down in your life. Yeah. We've all, we've all been in those situations where, you know, that whole saying where you can uh, walk into a room, you can cut the tension with a knife. You just know something yes. is heavy here and it just doesn't feel good. Or, um, you got off the phone with a friend who was dealing with a relationship issue and that, you know, you're talking for, hours and you just feel exhausted mentally from it. In 2023, I'm planning on launching an online uh, masterclass when it comes to um, I, almost intentional women's health is really the theme. Um, nice. It's geared towards women who want to feel that connection with self and mm. um, specifically if they're dealing with um, you know, changes in their um, hormones, if they're dealing with changes in their digestion, sleep, um, you know, just all aspects of 
things that could be better for them or they may have conditions mm-hmm. that they're working through and they just want that alternative lens of how they can really kind of shift things in the right direction. I'm going to be launching that in 2023. So if they want to uh, follow me on my social media platforms, my Instagram, my Facebook, I'll be kind of sliding in um, information about how to register for that when it comes into 2023. And if they want more information about me and my services and what I do, I have a website um, with uh, all the information on my services there, as well I have some content um, on my blog about a variety of things like hormonal health, thyroid health, digestion, all of the things that I talk about with my patients on a day-to-day basis. So that's all free content for anybody who wants to, um, you know, uh, peruse it on their own. And then, um, you know, they can always reach out to me if they'd like to. That's amazing. And I will link all of that information down into the show notes. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today and for being such a rock in my wellness journey. I appreciate your time, your energy, your knowledge, and your guidance on these topics. Thank you so much for being a part of the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure. pleasure, And um, I just hope whatever we discuss today, it kind of creates that light bulb moment for your listeners and, um, you know, gets them on the path where they can start, you know, promoting that intentional uh, living that they hopefully desire. So thank you so much for allowing me to be on this platform with you. It's been an absolute dream and pleasure. Thank you. For those of you who are listening, don't worry. I will post everything in the show notes. And thank you for being part of the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. Until next time, everyone.